What's up everybody? This is Tanner from TanManBaseballFan.com. I was thinking today about what I wanted to talk about with you all this evening. And uh, I think I finally, I had like a handful of topics, but this one just kind of, just kind of, uh, I don't know, jumped out at me. So I wanted to talk about it a little bit. So uh, uh, we're going to be talking about junk wax. And I love the subject. I think this well will never run dry. <laughs> you will uh, always be able to have all kinds of conversations about the junk wax era as a very, very quick recap of what the junk wax era is. If this is the first time that you're listening to this podcast, or if you're new to collecting, or both, uh, junk, the junk wax era is, generally speaking, from the mid-80s to the mid-90s, and most heavily concentrated in the 1988 to 1992 uh, uh, years. And the reason why it's called junk, the junk wax era is because the baseball card companies created so stinking many baseball cards of each and every one of those cards from that year. So like uh, 11 billion of each one for every man, woman, and child on the planet. So uh we will, uh, much like the conversations of uh, uh, of junk wax will never run dry, neither will the cards themselves, <laughs> unless there's like a mass uh, burning of them. So we might talk about that a little bit later too. So uh, the question uh, that I have that I have received by a lot from a lot of people is: uh, Are these cards worthless? And a lot of people will say, yes, they're worthless. They're not worth the uh, cardboard they're printed on. They're just not worth doing anything. Uh, I am here to say that is wrong. There is absolutely value. And not just in a few rare prototypes and proofs and errors and that sort of thing. Uh, I'm saying there is honest to goodness value in baseball cards from this era. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but to start off with, I'd like to talk about how, uh, the junk, junk wax era is actually, or junk wax cards themselves is truly, you can almost think of them as like a gateway drug for, for, uh, cardboard crack addicts to get back in to baseball card collecting. Let me explain. As, uh, kids... From the late 80s to early 90s, uh, we were conditioned to purchase these cards for 50 cents a pack, a dollar a pack, uh, boxes at $15, $20, so on and so forth uh, for the entire thing. Um, certainly there were uh, other cards that were higher dollar, but for those of us that had a very limited uh, allowance. Like I think I had guys, I think I had like $3 a week that I earned. Uh, now I had a little car wash side hustle as a kid. So I did that and I earned money that way. And I also bought and sold cards myself. Uh, but as far as allowance goes, it's three bucks. So three bucks really does not get you all that far <laughs> whenever you want to pick some of these things up. So, uh, fast forward to nowadays, uh, if you're in, and think about this, if, if you are one of the many people out there that have left the hobby and 
are coming back. I want you to think about this. Uh, did you, uh, what kind of, what kind of uh, triggered you to come back? Was it because of uh, perhaps in a magazine you saw some cards or uh, eBay that uh, were from your childhood? You know, it's possible. A lot of people out there, they see these cards and they go, oh my gosh, I remember the 1990 score, uh, Bo Jackson black and white. Uh, and I remember that beautiful uh, bright yellow factory set box of 1990 score. And I also remember how it took me weeks and weeks and weeks to save up for that set. Well, guess what? As adults, uh, two things have happened. Number one, generally speaking, you're probably not going to have to save for weeks and weeks and weeks to get a uh, complete set of 1990 score. And the 1990 score set itself no longer sells for $20, $25. You can get it probably for about five uh, if you're local somewhere so that, that has it for sale. So uh, pretty amazing. So that's the, uh, the gateway drug right there. That's how they get you. <laughs> you uh, you're, uh, you're all in. You, they have got you hook, line, and sinker. Uh, you start looking beyond 1990 score because you start thinking about, well, what about uh, the inaugural year of score 1988? How much is that? Holy crap, that's five bucks also? Huh, what about tops? Oh my gosh, it's about the same. And you keep going, and sure enough, uh, a lot of people out there, they start having a goal. They put, as goal-oriented people do, they will put together a list and have a goal of, picking up every complete set from year one to year two or whatever it is and they'll go after it and then they'll start thinking wait a second what about the big boys what about 1989 upper deck <laughs> what about 1990 leaf what about 1991 stadium club how much are those now and much to their surprise it's cheap as well so uh, some of these things are fairly easy to quote-unquote conquer uh, when you're getting back into the hobby but as you do this as you look for these cards uh, you'll undoubtedly have your eye caught on uh, newer cards as well and uh, you might revel in the uh, idea of owning a baseball card that has a piece of stinking game used jersey embedded into it or an autograph that actually fits in with the design nicely and is certified. Those are pretty big things, especially for people that come from the 80s and 90s that might not have had that. You're talking autographs, generally speaking, not going to be certified back then uh, unless they were sent to a third party. And they're signed in like a uh, you know ununiform marker. And on cards that probably were not meant to be signed to begin with. So a lot of these, a lot of these cards are autographed uh, in person or through the mail. Cannot be very aesthetically pleasing. Uh, some are. Some are beautiful like that. Like I would, gosh, I would love to have some key Hall of Fame vintage rookie on card autograph cards. But uh, for the most part, I mean, you look at like a, you know, 87 tops, uh, you know, <laughs> Jay Howell or something. I, mean, I don't know. Uh, it's not gonna. It's not really gonna pop for you. I don't think. But anyway, so 
here you are uh, getting your jollies off of spending a few dollars on uh, uh, junk wax cards from your childhood. And you start seeing these newer cards and you go, oh, these are a little more expensive. And you start thinking these are, this is, this is a, a big boy hobby. <laughs> there are these things that are called one of ones where they've only made one of them. Wow. What's going on? What are these printing plates? What, you know, I don't understand. Ooh, some of these don't just have jersey swatches. They have patches. So you start thinking about slowly but surely buying some more expensive cards, some singles, owning in on what you really want, what really catches your eye. And all of a sudden, whammo, you, uh, you have a full-blown addiction, my friend, to cardboard. And, uh, you cannot cure it, uh, <laughs> and uh, you you are spending a lot of money on singles and packs and everything in between, and it probably would not have happened had it not been for junk wax. And it's funny because uh, you could almost see like a super savvy business person being an architect of this, you know, like uh, mass producing something at the right time uh, and having all everybody uh, go all in on him and then the value just crash and then 20 years later uh, because the junk wax era had such a wide nest, uh, net cast over all of America, you know, is being sold everywhere. Now you have a much larger pool of people when they grow up and get jobs uh, to come back, buy those cheaper, and come in and, and purchase what you're, uh, what you're offering now that's much more high-end. And to take this a step further, make those cards that were uh, you're so nostalgic about uh, have a lot more value. And you can do that a number of ways. Number one, you can grade them. So, for example, uh, you know, if you are somebody that is a, uh, that just loved Craig Biggio growing up and you find out, okay, he's got, you know, quote unquote rookie cards in 1989, uh, Topps, Fleer, Donruss, Score, Upper Deck, Bowman, uh, you know, so, so let's say you just want a rookie card of Craig Biggio. A lot of times, because of the, the price, you'll look at them and go, okay, these cards are like, you know, 50 cents to $3, depending on which it is. Uh, you also look at the 89 Bowman Tiffany, that's probably something a little, uh, a little more up there. Uh, but is that really going to satisfy you? Uh, having like, let's say, a 1989 Upper Deck uh, Craig Biggio Rookie, is that going to satisfy you? Because you find out that there's like a couple million more of them out there. You go, no, well, let's see what else we can do to make this a little more special. Um, so you find out that there are other ones that are like 1988 score uh, rookie and traded. And there's a glossy version. 1988 uh, flare update, you find out there's one of those as well. And, the, and there's probably a glossy one of those too. So, uh, you know, because the price isn't astronomical, you almost want to have a card uh, like that of your childhood hero that's more valuable, more, uh, more 
interesting to you, more, more rare, more something that you can show off to other people where they won't all have the same thing, if you know what I mean. So you might start looking at the 88 score glossy rookie, rookie and trade, finding that out that there's only a fraction of those that were made out there. And you might think, well, hey, why not uh, have a PSA graded one that's like grade 10? Well, all of a sudden you have a very special card at this point that you're looking at that's going to be worth uh, and cost significantly, significantly, significantly more than just a base raw 1989 upper deck Griffey. So uh, I think, you know, we obviously do look for cards like that from our childhood. They're more valuable, which interestingly enough, uh, if I were a Craig Biggio uh, fan back then, uh, I would probably follow that same line of thinking. However, I never had an 88 score rookie and trade glossy card. Never had an 88 flare update glossy. Just didn't, you know. Uh, yeah, I had probably an 89 Donruss and 89 Upper Deck and all that sort of thing. So nostalgia asks and begs of you to uh, pick up what you had, but also what might be more special uh, of a card in that era as well. It's kind of funny how that works. Matter of fact, I'm looking at some Transformers right now that, uh, you know, I, for nostalgic reasons, and I don't even, like, I didn't even have these guys. Like, <laughs> I had some friends that had some. So, uh, you know, that was kind of a, that was probably one of the drivers for me. It's funny. It's like I was looking online today, and I saw, like, this lime green, uh, uh, what do you call it, like, shovel part of the of a tractor. Uh, shovel part, it's not a good uh, description. Certainly not the name of it. But anyway, uh I just saw it for like a split second and all of a sudden like all these memories came flooding back to me from like over 30 years ago. I go, ha, my friend had that. And I remember just going like, man, that's, that's cool. It's cool to remember that, to have that memory. So, uh, what am I doing? Sure enough, I'm looking on eBay for it and seeing, uh, you know, what's for sale. Now, what am I, what am I looking for? Am I just looking for this little beat up transformer? Uh, no, 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 not going to do that. <laughs> not going to do that. I'm going to look and see if there's uh, uh, something that's like new in the box or nice condition uh, to have. And, you know, I don't know why. I wouldn't have cared back then if it was like in the box in nice condition. I just enjoyed playing with it, uh, you know. So uh, nostalgia is a, a funny thing. It's a very tricky thing when it comes to uh, collectibles. I'm sure many generations in the past have dealt with it, but like my generation, uh, Generation X, I think probably is having to deal with it more than any of the others in the past because of so many things that have been offered that were like so like incredibly cool. Uh, you know, so like the 70s didn't have a lot of this stuff, nor did the 60s or 50s or 40s or, you know, so on and so forth. So the 80s, they had like uh, video games that were incredible they had transformers they had uh micro machines i mean the, all kinds of neat things right so uh and of course obviously baseball cards so going back to my original point like we don't necessarily just because we're nostalgic about something we don't necessarily just go for the things that we had 
we go for really nice examples of uh, something that maybe we wanted and PSA grading or SGC or BGS or whatever you call, uh, whatever company that you like the best uh, kind of gives us this feel if it's a 10, uh, for example, of having a perfect example, a perfect copy, because there's something about uh, if, you know, having a rookie card of your favorite player as a child growing up, uh, that's just perfect instead of uh, just a raw copy. That's not really that, that hard to get. Don't know why, it's just how it goes. Um, but let's turn the corner here uh, and to continue talking about if uh, Junkwax era cards are, are worth anything or not, like the answer is yes, they are worth, uh, they are worth something. Now, uh, they're probably overall the, the cheapest of cards out there. Um, if you have a 5,000 count box of 1991 tops, uh, yeah, probably not going to go for a whole lot of money. <laughs> but if you had time to actually sift through everything, you might find a number of errors that'll be worth some money. Uh, the cards that are gradable, those would be worth something, uh, possibly. Uh, so, you know, I'll tell you one thing that's really fun for me. Uh, years ago, I had a, uh, it was actually the first case that I actually had ever opened. It was 1992 Tops. It was around like 2006, I think. And I picked up for real cheap as part of a deal where I ended up making a purchase of like, oh, I don't even remember, like 10, 15, 20 cases of baseball cards. You know, just enough to sit in the living room to like drive Holly nuts. <laughs> I was in heaven. I loved it. But, uh, you know, so I posted a message online seeing if anybody wanted a case worth of 1992 Tops Commons. Uh, I bought the case for gosh, 20, $25. And I said, if anybody wants them, uh, I'll, uh, you know, you're going to get several thousand cards here. I'll sell them for 50 bucks, but I'm going to take out the cards that I want. They're going to be good. Well, I had a uh, little league coach reach out to me and said, you know, hey, look, uh, I don't really care what the cards are, but me and my little league team, we want to get a bunch of cards just to play with that aren't really worth a whole lot. So I'll give you 50 bucks. All right, cool. So there I was in my office with 20 unopened wax boxes, a full case of 1992 tops, just going through them. And, you know, there's 36 packs a box. So we're looking at, if I remember correctly, 720 packs <laughs> of 1992 tops. Now, I know what you're thinking, 92 tops, what's in there? <laughs> you know, you're not going to find any chase cards or anything that's like ridiculously incredible. But, uh, you know, there's a few of them. There's like a Manny Ramirez rookie and you, know, you still have some cool shots like the 92 Tops Cal Ripken Jr. cards really cool and some others in there so uh, ultimately I think I pulled like 20 or 30 Manny Ramirez rookies and it's not really again not really a big card as it is but ultimately the the fun of it was being able to sit there and open the packs to a point of like almost exhaustion 
<laughs> and uh, or the job of uh, uh, cleaning up the packs, the wrappers and the boxes and everything was pretty significant as well. Uh, you know, it's the kind of quantity that you have to take a break uh, for a while, like have a little halftime <laughs> uh, action or something because of uh, how many cards it is. You know, like I said, there's, there were no chase cards that were like, oh man, look at this. It's, uh, you know, it's numbered out of 10 or it's uh, out of 25 or one of one of like a hot new rookie. No, no, no. I mean, this is, you know, released like, uh, uh, you know, 15 years prior or something. So it wasn't really, it, it, there truly wasn't anything ma massively valuable, but the fun and enjoyment. Oh my gosh. I just enjoyed it. So much to the point that here I am talking about 13 years later or so, uh, how much fun I had. And, uh, you know, I remember it just kind of reminds me of all these times when I was a child. And, man, guys, like, if you wanted to put me in a good mood, if I was down about anything, I remember my cat dying uh, when I was a kid. And my mom and dad, they just didn't know what to do to make me feel better, so... Uh, they bought me a box of 90 Donruss or 91 Donruss. Oh man, I was like so super excited, so stoked about it. And, uh, you know, doing that, getting a, uh, junk wax box every now and then nowadays, even to open, it's just fun. Like, so I, I would highly recommend that to anybody that's listening. If you, if you've got a place that you can go locally, uh, and pick up like a junk wax box of, uh, you know, 91 Donruss, 90 tops, whatever it is, 90 upper deck. I mean, do it and just go through it and have fun. And you have no expectations. There's no like, you know, you're not, yeah, a lot of times you don't have to worry or hope for rather uh, a PSA 10 card or anything, you know, or, or some super rare chase card. Uh, you just have fun. Just go through and, re and remember what the cards were like when you were a kid. And, you know, because back then we, you know, we didn't have anything to actually chase. Yet we are still addicted to the cardboard. We still just loved it. Um, looked forward every year to what the new design of Top Stoner Score Fleer Upper Deck Bowman was going to look like. Uh, which is so funny. I mean... Nowadays, there's like a new, <laughs> a new set that comes up every single week. And just like clockwork, you see them hit social media and the forums. And uh, just like that, every single uh, uh, listing is, uh, <laughs> just has a bunch of feedback. Oh, this is terrible. It's awful. It looks just like what they did last year. And oh, man, they're not creative enough. <laughs> man, back, uh, back then, uh, when... There's like only one set of each produced each year. None of us kids were critiquing or criticizing the design. We were just excited. So excited about the new, the new design each year from year to year. So really kind of funny how, how times change. But, and also speaking of uh, how funny how times change, like uh, you, know, you have like a wax box back then of you know, 1989 Donners for instance for $15. By the way, y'all, like, if you haven't done this, and if you have, like, some of your old uh, NES cartridges, like, as an example, uh, Super Mario Brothers 3, I just posted a picture of this on Twitter, uh, 
and Facebook uh, a day or two ago, pairing up uh, a box. Is a I have a Super Mario Brothers three uh, cartridge that's still in the box. It's not sealed or anything like that, but box is in beautiful shape, uh, bright yellow graphics and everything with Super Mario uh, on the front. I took a picture of that with a sealed box I have of 1989 Donruss. Y'all, it's like, I don't know, <laughs> my heart melted seeing it together because like the colors were perfect. Like they just looked like they matched. Same thing with like Super Mario 1 and 1985 Donruss boxes. Uh, it was fun seeing what they look like together. And it's just like they, they, it's like, it's like they belong together, I guess, if that makes sense. And uh, I'm going to do another picture of that soon as well, but I just had such uh, great joy doing that. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Uh, 1989 Donruss, you could have that box when you're a kid for like 15 bucks or something. And, uh, you know, nowadays they've got some boxes out there for, you know, uh, I think it's uh, Transcendent that first started in 2017. I don't remember, it's like either twenty eight or forty thousand dollars for a box or something. So <laughs> or uh, I guess you could call it a case kind of. It wasn't but believe me, it wasn't twenty boxes inside a case with uh thirty six packs each. I mean, you know, and they're very impressive cards and they've got all kinds of things that uh are just amazing. Which of course they should be for, you know, thirty or forty grand, right? Uh but man what a like <laughs> we've come a long way baby as far as the uh the hobby goes <laughs> to have like a, a a box or case or whatever it is for 30 grand or 40 grand as opposed to like a 15 dollar box uh from just a few decades prior um but yeah so it's it's a big difference for sure but uh and interestingly enough here's another thing uh i, I talked about this in the past as well uh uh, all of the different errors and variations, uh, a lot of people, they don't even uh, worry about if they're checklisted or not as far as having value or uh, finding these errors and variations with extra value beyond just a common card in the Junk Wax era. I'm serious. I mean, there's just like a lot of them out there that are not documented, and yet people will still pay money. Uh, I mean, shoot, I was one of them. When I was going uh, heavily after these cards, I would find uh, these undocumented errors and uh, variations. And uh, I would document them myself, and I would collect them. If I saw them online, I would buy them at a premium uh, because they were something that were so neat. And uh, I'm trying to think of uh, some examples. Like, there's a... Uh, 1990 Fleer Baseball MVPs card, I think it was. It's one of those little boxed sets that they would sell in KB Toy Store or Toys R Us or something. And uh, there was a regular version, and there's a variation that somebody had mentioned where there's a print line that goes down on the bottom, the very bottom of the card, at least where the artwork starts, I guess. Uh, I found one that had that print line at the very top as well. And, uh, you know, it's, a lot of these cards are not going to really matter a whole lot to anybody. Uh, but player collectors, team collectors, they love this stuff. There are people that are actively 
looking through their junk wax error cards for these. As a matter of fact, like uh, I shared this with you, I think about a week or so ago, but the Globacks from 1991 Tops, uh, I found out online, so this wasn't my own discovery, by the way. Um, I just found out about it online, how uh, because the cardstock was uh, different cardstock or ink or whatever was used uh, from this massive print run of 1991 Tops. Uh, some of the cards, if you flip them on the back, put a, a black light on them, they'll glow and others won't. So I wrote about it, a pretty in-depth article, and you know nobody, was, nobody had listed any of those cards with that variation at all. Uh, and the very next day after I posted, after I published my article, there were hundreds of them on eBay. And you can even look on eBay now and they're still selling. It's been like a few years. So, uh, you know, there's people, and they're really not rare cards. I mean, <laughs> they, just, they just aren't, you know, but, uh, uh, but there are some cards that sold for hundreds of dollars when I first broke the news. And I was trying to tell everybody, no, 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 <laughs> it's not rare. It's just a fun little variation to have. Um, so yeah, that's there are just things like that 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 player collectors just love to get, and and because the very thing that that caused that that era of collecting to be called junk wax is the very reason that made it such a fertile ground for these rare uh, oddities and errors. And now, like I said, the glowbacks are not rare, but there are some that are rare, uh, and even with. Uh, 1991 tops again there's so many of them out there but uh uh different errors and variations but like even the uh the backs like some of the cards will have a much more bold uh ghosting of the 40th anniversary logo that's another variation that people love um and it only happens on certain cards that were on uh, certain print sheets but uh you know it's something else that people look for like the cropping on various pictures is, is different sometimes in those cards uh, player collectors again love that these are not worthless cards everybody like these cards they do sell now is this like uh, true for every card that's printed back then no 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 not at all uh, but I'm just my point is is it's certainly not void of uh, value like if you have time you want to look through them and see if you can you know find anything then yeah there's going to be uh there's going to be some some gems that you find uh i mean shoot guys like even like 1992 tops they would have like uh that case i broke i didn't even notice or know this at the time but like they have uh the spring training giveaway cards scratch off cards or whatever that came each pack in each pack and uh you know like even some of those have variations that could sell for money. <laughs> like I think I've seen some in the past that sold for like five, ten, twenty dollars. Uh, you know, and because they uh, name a certain player on that card, and uh, you know, you, you would never thought. But you know, again, a lot of these player collectors they're they're rabid about them. And one thing that's kind of fun also is like even the game cards in uh, board games. If uh, I had probably the most complete uh, uh, game trivia card set of uh, collection of Kinseiko when I was super collecting everything of his. Um, 
it was fun. It was kind of fun for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why it was so fun. But there's people that collect those also, and they could go for you know anywhere between uh, you know one, two dollars, five dollars each. Uh, you know, some they're rare can go for even more. So uh, it's kind of fun, kind of fun to think of uh, those sorts of things. And so finally, one of the other things that's interesting that that gives these cards value uh, is uh, is like I talked about before is grading. Um, and there's a uh, a uh, friend of mine named Kurt, uh, he actually is, runs a, uh, I think it's a Vintage Wax Facebook group. And uh, Kurt, Christensen, Kurt Christensen is his name. And uh, the guy has like an incredible wax inventory. But he and a buddy of his, they do breaks uh, of vintage wax. And when I say vintage, I'm not just talking about like, you know, 60s or 70s or whatever. I'm talking about a lot of this is like 80s. And there are people that are literally breaking like a box of, you know, like A7 Fleer or whatever, A6 Tops, showing them on video and getting excited over some of these cards that have like perfect centering, no print defects and razor sharp corners and edges and nice uh, surfaces. Uh, They get excited over those things because when they send them in for grading, if they get a PSA 10, shoot. There's some cards like A6 Tops, for instance, that could be commons and they could go for big bucks. You know, it's really crazy. Uh, there is a, uh, there's a lot of people out there that are set collectors, not just the player collectors, but the set collectors that try uh, to put together perfect sets. Uh, entire PSA 10 run, for example, of 1986 Tops. In fact, go to... Uh, the collector's universe forum and there's a guy oh gosh i love this i love this topic this thread uh that he made but this guy basically is just buying all kinds of uh of junk wax boxes not really just junk wax but like 80s like it could be early 80s could be mid 80s whatever i think a lot of it was like early to mid 80s um so what he'll do is he has like this little quest that he's on to put together like an entire run of complete sets of nothing but PSA 10 cards. So he'll bust, up, bust open a box of 1983 tops, uh, post a picture of all the key cards that were in there, as well as the, uh, the grade worthy cards, the ones that he feels can have a chance at getting a PSA 10. And it's amazing like how interesting it is, number one, for me to actually look at this thread, check in every now and then, and, and look at updates and look at the pictures. Guys, I know what all those cards look like already, but for some reason, it's still compelling to look <laughs> and see what he's pulling. Uh, and so, uh, anyways, you look at those and come to find out, you know, he's like, hey, okay, 83 tops. Here are the key cards. I pulled, uh, you know, a Gwen and uh, Gwen rookie and uh, a Sandberg rookie. Uh, the, both of those are off center, but I pulled the Ripken also. And, uh, you know, so those are the keys. There's also a couple Nolan Ryans in there. Now for the PSA 10, I have all 562 or whatever cards that the A3 top box yielded. Uh, here are the three PSA 10 candidates. And it's like a, uh, you know, a Pete Lecoq and a Sparky Anderson manager card and a checklist or something. <laughs> And uh, it's so funny, it goes to show you, though, that, like, 
those kind of became, have become uh, the chase carts if you're going after that for grading. Uh, and so like, there are some people that are dead serious about this sort of thing too. This is a big, massive deal for a lot of people. Uh, so anyways, it's kind of fun to, uh, to think about all this and, and to realize that number one, I mean, gosh, it's simply not a, an era of cards that, uh, is just worthless. And what I would really love, I wish, wish, wish I could see what the, uh, what the production numbers or the, the actual surviving numbers are now, because we have gone through probably, oh man, an easy 15, 20 years of people literally throwing these cards away. And uh, so I don't know if that's put a dent in them at all. I really don't. Uh, I don't know if, the, if it's put a dent in the uh, total quantities. I don't think it's put a whole lot of it in there, but imagine what's gonna happen in the next 10, 20, 30 years if people keep literally just saying, forget this, oh, here's another box of uh, filled with nothing but 88 donors. We're going to dump them. That's it. Oh, another thing of 85 tops. Forget it. Dump it. You know, there's people that do that all the time. And, uh, you know, so I don't know. The tide might turn even more. It might not be the uh, junk wax era <laughs> for too much longer in the next few uh, decades. We'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, I don't know if there's going to be a whole lot of uh, movement and value on on raw cards that are not superstars or rookies or whatever but man you look at some of these uh some of these graded psa 9 and 10 cards of key rookies from the 80s and yeah they've been on the move recently guys like there's some that are increasing in value and i talked about this before but like the uh, a9 upper deck psa 10 griffey for instance uh there's so 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 many of those made well guess what it continues to increase in value. The uh, A4 Donner's PSA 10, uh, Don Mattingly, last I looked, I think, and like, I think they've been selling for about $1,500. I mean, that kind of like, you know, like that's, that kind of shocks me because uh, I would have probably thought, oh yeah, maybe a couple hundred. <laughs> nope, <laughs> $1,500, pretty nuts to me. Uh, another thing that's uh, been big recently as well, is uh, uh, people that like to collect uh, wax, cello, and rack packs. They're unopened from the 80s. Could be 88 Donruss, could be A7 Flare, A9 Score, whatever, uh, with their favorite player on the top. And there's some people that are they're rabid about this too. Like for me even, I, I had a, a near complete or complete run of these packs with uh Kinseiko showing on the front and it was fun it was fun to put that together and because of that because people are now recognizing that uh people are wanting that their collectors want this sort of thing um there's a premium for these for these packs so a lot of people might even end up buying a uh you know a rack box for instance of 89 fleer and you go okay well, this rack pack has, uh, you know, Don Mangley on the front. This one has uh, Nolan Ryan on the front. And uh, so let's go ahead and sell these packs separately for, you know, five bucks each or something. And 
sometimes they will actually sell. Uh, it's really interesting. There's so many ways that you can make money in this hobby, even in the junk wax era stuff. So it's been fun. And even, you know, shoot, even like grading uh, boxes and packs. I mean, shoot, not, not grading boxes. I don't think they do that, but they do grade packs. But even the boxes, and this is kind of one thing that I love and I'm passionate about, is the, uh, uh, the authenticated uh, boxes are sealed by BBCE, uh, Baseball Card Exchange. They're certified as being from a sealed case. I love those boxes. Like I love the feeling that I've got a sealed box from a case that's just been untouched. And so I've got a number of those from the 80s uh, from like basically 1980 to 1992, I've got several of those. And uh, interestingly enough, like I don't think I bought many of them in the past year and a half or so, but like since I started buying them, a lot of those have increased in value by quite a bit. There's some that even doubled in value because um, uh, people are, uh, are seeing these boxes, like the very artwork of the boxes themselves as nostalgia. Um, and so for me personally, and even packs, I mean, like for me personally, like 89 Donners again, for example, I don't have a whole lot of love for a pile of 89 Donners commons on my desk. I just don't. I love the design and everything, but there's, it doesn't do anything for me. Now to have a sealed box of 89 Donners that does do something for me. I don't know why really, but it just does. I really love it. I love the artwork. I love that especially when they're in nice condition. And like I said, you pair it with a Super Mario Brothers 3 copy. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm weird. Maybe that's just me. I'm not sure, but it's something I enjoy. Uh, and uh, even with the packs, like, oh man, I just love the wax packs even inside them. You know, so uh, uh, I've, I haven't really gotten into collecting the packs themselves, but at some point I'm going to get, uh, get some just to display. Um, because again, it's part of my childhood. It's uh, 89 score, 89 donors. I mean, remember when my mom went to the store, she'd come back and she'd uh, pick up one or two packs of those for me each time. And it was just exciting. Just an exciting time. Uh, so funny that you get excited over a pack that cost 45 cents back then from, you know, wherever it was uh, that she uh, that she shopped back then. But anyway, so I guess in conclusion, um, is, uh, the, is there value in the junk wax era? Yep, there absolutely is. Um, is there justification to, uh, burn a lot of them? Yeah, probably so. I mean, I'm not going to, I wouldn't really recommend anyone do it either because there's just, it's kind of like burning money because there are buyers out there, uh, for, for those cards, even if they're cheap, even if it's like a few bucks per thousand, <laughs> There's, uh, there's buyers out there. So, yeah. Um, and plus, they're just fun. They're just fun to have around and shuffle through every now and then. But uh, anyways, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, my email is tanmanbaseballfan at gmail.com. Twitter handle is at tanmanbbfan. Please, guys, I would love it if y'all could uh, like and subscribe to this podcast as well as share it. You know, tell others about it and have your friends come on and uh, listen to me. And, you know, gosh, uh, you know, I think the reason why I love the podcast so much 
as a, as a format of uh, delivering content is, uh, is, you know, I consume those the most myself because you could actually do things, you can like multitask when you're listening. So if you're on your way to work or something, you know, put me on and, uh, or gosh, even if you're having a hard time getting to sleep, <laughs> I've been told I have a very soothing voice. So maybe, uh, maybe I'll help you get to sleep some night also. <laughs> but anyways, uh, thank you guys for listening. Listening again. I hope you all have a great evening. <laughs>